Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Naheem Hines. Naheem is an NFL running back who was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the 2018 NFL draft. He finished this past season with 52 carries for 199 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns to go along with 44 receptions for 320 receiving yards. Now, Naheem played college football at North Carolina State, where his last year he rushed for 1,112 yards on 197 carries with 12 touchdowns. And I am actually going to talk a little bit further about Naheem's high school football career because he is pretty amazing. In high school, Naheem had 6,242 rushing yards, 7,299 total yards, and 126 touchdowns. And even more impressive, get this, Naheem scored seven touchdowns in a single game, not once, but twice, which is among his 15 school records. Naheem, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jen. I appreciate you being here with us today. I can't believe we're already in May. It doesn't seem like it's been that long since we were in Indy uh, for the Combine. So let's start off our conversation with that topic. Now, I, I recently finished a Path to the Draft series where I had some Combine guys on and some guys that you know got picked up in the draft as priority free agents like Isaiah Wright, Brandon Polk, and Kylan Johnson. So in that Path to the Draft series, some of the guys shared what their Combine experience was like. As someone who has participated in the Combine just a couple of years ago, share with us what that experience was like for you. Uh, the combine was probably the most interesting process in my life. Uh, you know, just leaving school early and not having to go to, you know, the senior bowl or anything. I didn't know what to expect. I had to get there a couple of days early. Just you spent all day in a hospital two days. I think if I would have took one more psychological test or a wonder look test, I think I'd actually been psychiatrically crazy. But uh, it was very interesting. The goal is to, you know, put us through as many mental tests as we possibly can. And then on our last day, to, you know, go out there and still perform, even though, you know, we haven't had as much sleep and we've had to do a lot of uh, exhausting things. So, I mean, the combine was a really, really um, great experience for me. It was something, you know, where you had to mentally push through. It wasn't just a cakewalk. And I think personally for me, I think I helped myself in the draft because, you know, when you go to the draft, you know what time it is uh, for any type of player. It's uh, either going to help yourself or you're going to hurt yourself. So I think I helped myself. And how did you stay mentally locked in? Like you mentioned, the Combine, it's not just one day of different performance events. There's all kinds of things going on. So how did you really stay locked in on the day that you had to perform to ensure that you were at your best? I mean, I guess maybe just being a college athlete, you know, as college athletes, sometimes we don't sleep as well as we want to sometimes. And I really think just the football mentality, just uh, the next play. So even when we were there, you know, day four, and we had stuff to do, I would just try to get through my one through three meeting, and then I worry about what's after that. But uh, I think really just with the combine, it was really just taking it one one time, one play at a time, one meeting at a time, one hospital uh, meeting at a time. It was just really just that. And you mentioned the NFL draft. So let me ask you, I mean, we just had the draft here a little while ago. What did you think of the virtual draft? I think the virtual draft actually went very well. Um, I didn't know what to expect from it, but I watched, I'm not, I'm not going to say I watched all the draft, but I watched the uh, first round and uh 
just how the, our commissioner was, went about it. It was really personable. There were still, you know, kids who had like, you know, a My Wish Foundation. There were kids who could still do that and uh, say their pick. And uh, I think this year it was a lot more personable. Like, you know, you could see people in different places and different settings. And I think that was a unique thing that, you know, we'll probably never see in the draft again. Right. Yeah, I really like that because it, it did bring another level of intimacy to the draft and something, as you mentioned, we probably will not see again. You got to see players in their houses, coaches, GMs in their houses, especially as we're going through this pandemic and, you know, we're all in this together and trying to, to make sure that everyone feels supported and gets through it. So I just thought it was really well done and executed by the NFL. So you were drafted in the fourth round, 104th pick overall. How did that feel for you? What was that like? And I'm curious, what did you do in the days that followed? When I got drafted, I actually was uh, folding some clothes up and I had pajamas on. Um, my agent said I was going to go top 100, so in my mind I was going top 100, and I went 104. So it's not like they were wrong, but I actually wasn't expecting it. And really, I think I was with one of my good friends, a roommate, and my sister, and I got a call from the Colts, and uh, I was actually folding up clothes, like I said, went in pajamas, and that's how I figured I was a Colt. And uh, I'm happy I didn't go in on that Friday night like I thought I did. I think waiting last Saturday was great for me, and just, you know, the Colts were the first team that drafted me. We had four guys drafted ahead of me, and none of them were skilled guys. So, you know, that was a new scheme, new system, new head coach. Uh, I, that's something I never took lightly. I always remember that I was the first skill guy under the Frank Reich era drafted. So uh, that's something I take with pride, and that's something I try to hold my standards to, just remembering that every day. And as you got ready for training camp and workouts, was there anyone that kind of helped you to make that transition from college to the NFL, take you under their wing to kind of give you some, some advice? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of people off the field, you know, I had my family, my coach, Coach Kitchings, he played in the NFL for a little bit. He told me a little bit. But uh, honestly, bet wise, when I first got there, you know, Robert Turbin was there and uh, Christine Michael were there and uh, all, and Josh Ferguson, all three of those guys took me under. But uh, Robert Turbin was kind of the guy who uh, kind of showed me the ropes. He was always hard on me. But then I realized, you know, as I got older, I, I got in the league at a very, very young age. I left in three years. I was 21 years old. A lot younger than probably most guys who were drafted. And, uh, you know, Turbo really uh, showed me what it took to be a pro. Unfortunately, he wasn't there long. He uh, got released with the first four weeks, and that's something I wish he would have been there longer. As a player, I developed. I struggled. Turbo kind of helped me out with it and showed me what it took to be a pro. And uh, I just watched guys like him and T.Y., honestly, and those guys really kind of took me on the wing and showed me how to be a pro and be a Colt. So as someone who's gone through the draft and made the transition into the NFL, what advice would you give these young men that have recently signed on with NFL teams as they prepare for their journey into the NFL and to secure a spot on the 53-man roster? Honestly, the first thing I'll tell anybody is it doesn't matter if you went in the first round or you're undrafted. That really doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, there's money implicated with it, but once you go out there to your selected place and you go out on that field, it's anybody's ball, it's anybody's game. The play really doesn't care who makes it. And uh, the NFL – Sometimes, you know, it happens where they sleep on people or they slip up and miss somebody. But when you're out there on that field, it's hard to miss somebody. And it doesn't matter where you go. Just go out there and put good film for practice and preseason games if we have some this year. Just not only your team is watching, there's 31 other teams are watching. So that's what I always tell people. And really, I just tell people to be a pro. It should have started in college. How can you expect to be a pro if you don't act like it? Just do what you're supposed to do, especially now with the COVID and uh and all the implications going on, uh, make sure you're doing your workouts, make, your, make sure you're stretching. Uh, honestly, this whole time I've been kind of treating it just like I was at OTAs. So right now is a time to be a pro, and there's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to come back out of shape and not ready to play. So make sure you're not one of those people. Great advice. So let's step back a minute, back to your college days at NC State. Now, you didn't just play football in college. You were a two-sport athlete running track 
as well. And I just wanted to mention that for a minute because it can be difficult being a one sport student athlete. So two sports is even more intense. And how is that like balancing both sports and academics? I really would just want to give the credit, first of all, to Laura, just for, you know, keeping me safe and healthy. And honestly, uh, NC State, uh, Coach Doran and Coach Thunder and uh, our track coach, Coach Allen Johnson, they did a really great job, you know, just managing my load. Uh, you know, when the season was over, I had to run track. Then when I came back, I would uh, play spring ball and then go straight to track. And then after track, I'd go back for some workouts. And uh, without Coach Doran and uh, our strength coach, Coach Thunder, and our track coach being on the same page, it really wouldn't have worked out. I probably would have gotten hurt. I would have gotten overworked or, you know, anything could have happened. So, honestly, just it was really hard, especially with school. I, mean, I, I didn't take accounting during track season, which was terribly hard. Just uh, the fact that, you know, I had to study on the road. And it really was um, some perseverance. Was, I never really had an off season. I probably had a one-month break maybe the whole year. So, I was always on the go. But, it, you know, I think it really helped me. In college, I mentally got a break away from football, which is awesome. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, those guys are there all year. And uh, we had time to step away from football, appreciate it, and miss it. And that's really, I think, a big thing. In college, we work out all the time. You know, as soon as the season's over, we're working out January. And I actually got a chance, you know, appreciate football a little bit and miss it and work on football, do something else while working on football because, you know, I ran track to get faster. And that's the name of my game. I always ran track for football. So it was kind of cool. My coaches allowed me to do that. Now, you also have a twin sister, Naya, who also ran track and field at North Carolina State. And I heard she was actually faster than you when you guys were kids. So being the competitor that you are, how did she play a part in you becoming a better athlete? Uh, uh, I think, I, honestly, I think it really just comes down to the name of competition. Uh, I've been competing since I was a little kid, since I was two or three years old. That's why I've always competed. We play checkers right now. I'm going to try to win. We try to race. I'm going to win. doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's anything, push-ups, sit-ups, I just like competing. And I really think that's where Naya came into my life. Obviously, it's really weird when you're in, like, you're in the second or first grade and you're the fastest boy there and you can't beat your sister. So I think that was always humbling. I guess from an early age, I've always been humble and well-grounded because I'd go out there and beat every guy and then race my sister and lose. And then just compete. I mean, that's how you get better in life. Everything is a competition. My sister, uh, she's actually a manager at Amazon, and she talks about every day how she wants to beat her last best to make a new best. That's life. In life, you have to compete. Sports, everything. If you're not competing, somebody's getting in front of you. And if you're staying current, I mean, you're definitely not getting better. You're getting worse. So you always, you always have to try to get better. Right. Yeah. What I like to tell people, what you've done so far has gotten you to where you are today. But if you want to get to where you want to go, you've definitely got to step up your game and look at how you can be better than you were the day before. That is definitely correct. I like, I like that saying. I'm going to have to use that one. There you go. Well, I appreciate that. So let, let's get back to talking about the NFL. I mean, what was the biggest eye opener for you playing professional football? There's probably a million things. I think the biggest thing was uh, honestly just being out there for the first time. Who we play? We played the Bengals. Third and fourth game of my career, we played the Texans and the Patriots. It was, it was very, very eye-opening just seeing somebody like Tom Brady in person or playing J.J. Watt or uh, playing Tyron Matthew. And it's like you're out there and you're like, geez, these are people I saw on TV. And then you're out there and you realize you're out there too. And you're like, wow, well, I must be a dog out here too if I'm playing with all these guys. And it's really eye-opening just seeing that like you put all these people on a high pedestal and you realize like they're human too. They're getting paid just like we are. So it's, it's hard as an offense or as a player to win every play. So you have to try really hard and be very detailed. Now talk to us, what about when you make a mistake or, you know, fumble the ball or, or just don't have a good play? How do you bounce back from that? 
Uh, well, first off, you mentally got to be there and bounce back because we fumble the ball and make too many mistakes. You're going to be there long. I promise you that. There's a million guys out there. Our job is very oversaturated. So I think it's a mental thing first. I think everything starts with the confidence. Like, I, I struggled a little bit. I think it was just my, my confidence was down. Really, with me, it just came from my family, dad, sister, mom, and then even guys like Turbo. Like, something will happen. As soon as I went to the sideline in the preseason game, Turbo would be like, you good, 42. At the, my number is 42 at the time. He never called me by my name. He always called me by my number. So he's like, you good, 42. Uh, keep it going, man. Look, this is your first game. This is your second game. You got a lot more games to play. This is the preseason. Like, just you need somebody there. Like, your family and your – like, my mom, my dad, my sister, that's all cool, but they're not really there. They're not in the facility. They don't know what I go through every day. They don't know what the struggles and the pressures I put on myself to learn the plays and play well. So, you need somebody in the locker room with you, like a veteran like Turbo or C-Mike to help you out and walk you through things. So you mentioned struggling with confidence, and I'm sure there are some people listening to the show that may be struggling with that in their own lives. What advice would you give to them to be able to help improve their confidence? Oh, it's simple, honestly. Life, sports, everything, it's all about confidence. If you don't believe you're going to do something, you're probably not going to do it. I've even seen players who've elevated their game. Uh, there's, We've all seen somebody in maybe a video game or any sport or anything who maybe is not as good as they think they are, but they're so confident they play better than what they are or they, they're better than what they should be. That's how you should be in life. If nobody believes in you, you got to believe in you. I promise you one thing, if you don't believe in you, nobody else will neither. So it has to start there. You mentally have to tell yourself whatever it is. If you're waking up, if you want to be the best manager of Amazon like Naya, you got to try to beat all the other Amazon managers, but you have to also, you know, make a relationship with people. Stick with that. And whatever it is to be great, you have to do that. And it starts mentally first. Even now, every day, I think I tried to better your last year because every day when I woke up, I wouldn't say, oh, it's 8 o'clock or, oh, it's 6 o'clock, I got to go to work. I'd be like, dang, Naheem, you get to wake up and do play football. Like, you get to wake up and go to practice. There's people out there who wish they could do that and they have to go to a 9 to 5. And some things with confidence, it really just comes from perspective. And that's how you have to look at it. Sure. And I think off the field, especially for people that are trying to increase their confidence, sometimes people I find confuse confidence with meaning you have all the answers and really confidence is your ability to figure things out versus knowing mm -hmm. everything or people that are confident can still have doubt and not know the answers, but they are confident they're going to figure it out. And, and they know that they will move the ball forward and they'll find out the answers they need to. So I want to talk about a specific game, December 22nd, 2019. The Colts are playing at home against the Carolina Panthers, and this was an incredible game for you. Three big punt returns, two of which you returned for touchdowns, and you set a new single-game career high in punt returns with 195 yards. So talk to us about that game. Carolina starts out three and out. You then uh, have a punt return for 40 yards. And then oh, man, the next one, yeah. Oh, man. We literally were watching that on film. Uh, I just got out of meetings at uh, 3 o'clock. I literally just watched that play on film an hour ago. And then I actually watched the play again an hour before that just to watch some returns, just get better. And uh, it was the uh, first one of the game I wish I would have scored. I wish I would have went left or just not missed a stiff arm. But uh, I think, honestly, as a game, it was just, like I said earlier, with confidence. I said I was going to return a punt that day as soon as I saw the punter punt the ball. His first punt, it was a 60-yard punt. It, didn't, it seemed like a low-line drive. didn't have a lot of hang time. Before the game, I always stand with Frankie Ross, our assistant uh, special teams coordinator. And we always watch the kickers and we watch the punters. And as soon as he punted the first one, I said, Frankie, if he kicks it like that in the game, I'm going to return one for a touchdown. And sometimes with life, even with confidence, a lot of things you have to speak things into existence. And that really comes with confidence. Even uh, leaving school early after my sophomore year, my roommate, every day I used to say, like, I'm not going to be here next year. I'm going to the NFL. I think that might be just, you know, sometimes setting yourself for good karma or whatever you want to believe in, but 
if you believe in something and you speak it into existence, a lot of times I think it will happen. And that's really, I think, what happened with that game. Just had some great blocks by that team. And uh, before that, I, I probably owe them guys two touchdowns because I only have two and I probably should have two more. Those guys, uh, the Gunners outside, they always do a great job. And all of the 10 guys, you can tell they're straining for me. And uh, we have guys like that who believe in the, me as a returner. And I know those guys, you know, are working hard. I trust those guys. It's, it's great when you have a, 11 guys on the field just have 100% trust in each other, and we have a game like that. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. I remember watching that game, and uh, as you know, my son is a Colts fan, and so when I told him that uh, you were going to be on the show, the first thing he brought up was uh, those punt returns in the game. So um, definitely a great game. And for for those that are listening that may not be familiar with this game, I want to just share a couple more things about how big of a deal this is. So after this game, you became the first player in the NFL since 2012 to have multiple punt return touchdowns in a game and the first to have 195 yards and two touchdowns since 2004. Uh, Your career-long 84-yard punt return for a touchdown is the longest punt return for a score by a Colts player since 2007 and it also marked the team's first punt return for a touchdown dating back to November 25th 2012 so it's definitely a historic game and you are only one of five with two punt returns for touchdowns of 70 yards or longer in the NFL so that's an amazing accomplishment well, that's a that's a blessing and uh, honestly you know it doesn't stop there uh, had a great ge- I had a great game that game but you know even like I said the first return I got to do something better on that. So I'm going to try to build on that. Maybe I'll have another game like that and uh, hope like another two returns for touchdowns. But I just know uh, every opportunity I got to make the most of it. And, uh, you know, the first the first rep, not nitpicking, the first rep, I didn't make the most of the opportunity. So, you know, there's always room for improvement. And no matter what you do in life, I've learned, no matter how good you are, there's always room for improvement. Okay, so outside of this game, was there another game that was really memorable for you? And what would that game be and why? I mean, I've had a lot of memorable games, but I think the Texans game maybe. The third game of my career against the Texans or the first game of my career against the Bengals, uh, both of them are very, very uh, significant in many ways. In the preseason, I struggled a lot my rookie year. I actually thought I was going to get cut for a while. So, uh, you know, going out there and against Cincinnati, having some good plays and actually not seeing anything bad happen was great for my confidence. The next week I ended up scoring a t- my first touchdown. And I think that had a lot to do with, you know, just going out there, flushing the preseason away. And, uh, you know, just not having – just being right with my protections, you know, not fumbling, not dropping the ball, any bad things happening. And uh, that really helped me. And then the third game of my career was my first uh, multi – actually, it was my first multi-touchdown game. And I think that it was the first overtime game I ever played in, too. So, I think those are both uh, very, very – and uh, we ended up losing. We went for it on fourth down, and then they ended up kicking a field goal. And I think both those are very, very memorable games and how they just, I think, set the pace for my career and kind of turned things around. I appreciate you sharing that. And now what I want to do is I want to talk about something else that's very special to you. So move the ball. When I wrote my book, Move the Ball, I talk about principles on how people can advance their own lives using football concepts and lessons. But something else that I talk about is it's not just about you in life. It's about making an impact on others around you. And the NFL has their My Cause, My Cleats campaign where players wear different uh, cleats to represent uh, basically causes that are on their hearts. And for you, uh, you chose muscular dystrophy um, as your cause for your cleats. Tell us about why that was important to you. My late grandmother passed away in 2004. She had it. Uh, My mother has it and my uncle have it. And uh, it's actually something that's been on my mom's side of the family. So honestly, it's something you know, to, you know, something to push for. I have a platform, and I try to use it just to make people more aware. A lot of people don't really know what muscular dystrophy is. A lot of people think it's uh, musculoskeletal sclerosis, or you know, 
something else, but it's a uh, very interesting. ALS is actually a, a muscular dystrophy, which a lot of people didn't know. I, I personally think it's just something that's near and dear to my heart because of my family. And even uh, with the Colts now, we have a ticket block uh, with the Colts community. And uh, every week, every home game, I get to meet 10 people. I have a, two, it's two families normally. And I get to meet them before the game. It's something I always do. Like uh, every every week at 11 o'clock, I go out there and meet them before every game. And uh, some weeks they tell me not to do it, and I do it anyway. Like that's just what I like doing. I like meeting people. I've never met anybody in my life with uh, affected by muscular dystrophy other than uh, the people that I've met through the Colts. So that's uh, – it's been something that's been very near and dear to my heart. And uh, it's called Heinz Heroes. I've, I've liked it, and it's been something that's been just a blessing. It's probably the first thing I've done I've done in my life where it was just, you know, something bigger than football. It was me, you know, expanding my platform from sports, using that to become, you know, some a better person and hopefully change lives. And that's what I plan to keep doing. I love it because I do tell people too that you know success isn't just measured by what we do in our career. It's what we do to help others be successful and to make an impact. So I think what you're doing is great. Now share with us, where can people learn more about your platform? Do you have a website or social channels? Honestly, I haven't made it because I haven't really cared. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do and trying to you know help out in the community. So a website's coming soon, but uh, I got something neglecting it. I'm gonna, but in today's age, you got to have websites and social media. So uh, that's something I'm going to get on personally. Sure. When you have that up, please let me know about it. And we will definitely make sure to, to push it out as well to spread awareness. And for those that also want to learn more about muscular dystrophy, you can go to the Muscular Dystrophy Association's websites, www.mda.org. It's been, it's been around for 70 years. There's a lot of ways you can get involved from hosting a fundraiser to participating in an event to volunteering, as well as just using your own voice to spread awareness. So I highly encourage people listening to go check out their website and see how you can make a difference for this very important cause. Now, Naheem, what I want to do is I want to transition to my two-minute drill, which is just seven quick questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite food? Spaghetti. Plain with meatballs? Uh, Spaghettis, beet sauce with sausage. Okay, great. How about what's your favorite movie? Jeez, that's hard. I don't watch a lot of movies. I'll go old school. Probably my favorite movie as a kid was uh, the Disney Hercules or The Incredibles. So those are always up there for me. And even The Incredibles too. I like all of those. Okay. I do like watching Disney cartoon movies. They, they tend yeah, to like be good Mulan, ones. all those. Like those are my, those are when I really, that's, I loved all those. Okay. How about what's your favorite professional sports team? I really honestly don't know. Honestly, I, I've always been a Chris Paul fan. So uh, whatever team Chris Paul's on, I always root for and I always keep up with. Okay. And how about what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Something I've said a lot to people and actually uh, Kenny Moore, a teammate of mine, he, uh, he said a tweet and he said, you can live whatever life you choose, but you have to accept what comes with it. I think really that's just probably the biggest thing, just not even football, it's just life. There's a lot of people who do things or choose a lifestyle, but then when there's pros and cons to that lifestyle, they don't really want to accept what comes with it. So I've learned that even being after, I have to accept being known in public or, you know, I have to hold myself to that standard because that's the lifestyle I chose. I, I can't just go anywhere and just do crazy things because I can get recorded. People may know me or just, you know, I'm a public figure. So that's just something that I've learned. And it's something that's been near and dear to my heart since I heard it. Sure. No, I think that's a great piece of advice. And let's flip it now. If you could share a piece of advice with somebody, what would be that best piece of advice you would give someone? I would give somebody something simple. It's something I ask myself. Do you want to be great or do you want to be average? And that's something that's always been great with me. I think it's the Colts way. It's the 1% better. And I've always just been a person who competes. And uh, 
even the last rep, the last workout, do you want to be average? you want to be like everybody else? Or are you going to do that last set and be great? I think that's what I've always done. I've always been the person that you do one more, uh, one extra rep, and just try to outwork people. I've always been a hard worker. And I think uh, me making the NFL was no uh, shock. I think, uh, you know, I was obviously gifted by God, but I think I used those gifts from God and I worked on them and I worked hard. I didn't just rely on those talents. I worked hard and I sharpened every tool I possibly have to make it there. And I think that's what I've always lived by. And that's why I am where I am. Sure. I really like that because someone asked me the other day, they said, you know, how did, how did you do everything that you've done in your life? And what I told them was I have a fear, a huge fear of just being average. So I really like that piece of advice. Okay. Next question. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? My life's an open book. So uh, other than the fact that I have a hedgehog named Shadow that the Colts love and uh, the fact that I play video games, I think it's just that I can tumble. I was on Sports Center when I was a senior in high school. I did a 360 backflip. It's called a full while catching a football. I've ran up trees and did backflips. I've flipped off of basically anything. I haven't done as much since I was in college or a pro. Just, you know, body preservation. But uh, hopefully this year I'll do a flip when I score. If I can remember, I'm always excited. But that's one thing a lot of people don't know. Okay, I'm going to have to go search the internet to see if I can see a clip of this. And then the last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Uh, Barry Allen, The Flash. I actually watched the series Flash, so I mean, it's even more complicated than Barry Allen just being super fast. He's so fast, he can run into the future or run into the past. And basically, he's so fast, it's like teleporting. And I, I would love to have that power other than super speed. So Barry Allen is the best choice for me. Okay. Great. So as we wrap up today's show, tell our listeners, what's the best way for people to follow you on social media? Uh, is on Twitter or Instagram at the 997, T-H-E-N-Y-N-Y-7. Okay, perfect. And we will be sure to have those in the show notes too, so uh, people can follow you and keep apprised of your journey. So now as we wrap up the show, are there any last thoughts that you have for our listeners? Hello, Anthony. Uh, this is Nine Minds Coach Running Back. Thank you for your just lifelong support of the shoe. Uh, and just go Colts. Happy birthday. Hope you have a great time. Hopefully we get to meet and hopefully I get to score some more touchdowns and I can make you happy. Thank you so much. Appreciate you giving that shout out to my son, Anthony, whose birthday will be just a couple days after our episode uh, releases. So Naeem, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Oh, no, thank you. You can have me on anytime. It was awesome. Thanks. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.